Hey everyone, welcome to the 5-Pin Universe podcast. This is podcast number 12, and this one's just to hold you over. It'll be highlights of the topics that we put on Patreon that the normal viewer doesn't get to hear on SoundCloud or iTunes, and we hope you enjoy. Um, We started a segment where we wanted people to submit records being broken or first 400s or even YBC players first 300s or any career highlights that coaches or centers wanted to be brought to people's attentions. So first one is uh, we had a submission out of Saskatchewan for Brian Askin. He threw his very first 400. He's been uh, on the WCB tour for a while. Matthew Cody out of Newfoundland, he just threw over a thousand triple and his first 400 here not too long ago, he's out of, YB, out of the YBC program. And Ryland Wheeler tonight on Wednesday, the 16th of January, just threw a 423 with a 10 in a row. So just like to congratulate those guys and please submit any, any new records or any firsts out of the YBC programs or even the adult programs. So yeah, with that being said, please enjoy these topics. All right, this next topic is from podcast number seven. It's about Mark Miller discussing um, emotion in the game of five pin. Let's talk about emotion in the game. Let's talk about, uh, I know TBC had some fun with it, the Band-Aid. As a younger bowler uh, getting into the sport, I was very angry. Uh, I would hit stuff uh, on the uh, rare occasion, as Adam's seen at the autumn. I, I still do outlash a little bit. Um, when when is uh, emotion too much? When is cranking a ball return okay? And why is it becoming the normal that it is okay? Why can people uh, yell f bombs coming off the lane? Um, why is this just uh, turned into the norm? And what can we do to drive kids to uh, show a little bit more respect to the game? Because I want to take one of these kids, but I don't have—I'm not old enough, and they probably have no idea who I am. And I want to grab them by the shirt and put them up against the wall and say, "You hit my bloody ball return again!" <laughs> and I'm punching you in the bloody face. You know what I mean? It just—it's so—it can be so frustrating sometimes on behalf of the management side to see bowlers uh, break stuff within the bowling center and just have it be the normal. Every year I find something else broken uh, at the autumn. This year it was uh, the paper towel, towel dispenser in our washroom. And I just I just don't think it's okay. And what can we do what can we do about this guys? Do we need a do we need a police officer wandering the lanes? Do we need uh, the veterans to step up and say something? Uh, do we need to show a little leadership from these veterans? Uh, what uh, What's your thoughts on this? Well, I think I think for one, it starts with all of us. Uh, I think I think ninety nine percent of it is a learned uh, a learned behavior. Um, I don't think it's a really normal thought to take a bowling ball and bash it against another bowling ball, or a normal thought to you know put your fist through a ball return or rip off a, a paper dispenser or anything like that. So I, I think it's I think it starts with Everybody else that that these kids look up to, they need to they need to start doing better themselves. Um, to um, yeah, what you said about like don't hit my stuff. I mean, um, after TPC, apparently Evan was convinced that I was really mad at him. 
Like, he would not talk to me for three weeks, and it was because he hit something, and he was angry, and I put down a Band-Aid, and then he got angry that I put down a Band-Aid. I ripped a Band-Aid off, and I, I thought it was funny, so I put down another Band-Aid, and uh, he got more mad, and I said, well, just don't hit my stuff. And, yeah, and that's... That's what I loved about the idea. That's why I loved about the Band-Aid idea, because now now these bowlers are being accountable. Yeah, everybody can see it, and and they want it down as fast as they can. But at the end of the day, they they perform the action. Right? Yep. I yeah. wish uh, you almost need to make a rule where the Band-Aid stays. You don't touch that Band-Aid. Everybody else gets to look at you and uh, and the Band-Aids that you put across the bowling alley. I don't know. Yeah. That's why we start enabling uh, them too. Yeah. I uh, I. For me, I think it's a little bit of maturity. Uh, I down the road, I think I would. I stopped doing that. And I stopped getting mad over that stuff. I, I mean, you still have some outbursts, but I don't really smack anything anymore or do anything like that anymore. Uh, part of it was, you know, I, I sat back one day and I came home mad on a Wednesday night, and I'm like, I, "You're competitive, but you're, we're not making a million bucks." I mean, like at the end of the day, you put it in retrospect to. The whole grand scheme of things, you're, it's, you're, you're, you go home, you're not, a, you're, you're not a bowler. It doesn't define who you are. That's sort of, and that, you know, that's sort of where I've kind of maybe cooled down a little bit. But I'm, I'm okay with some, like maybe not the damage and the stuff. But I, I'm okay with emotion. I'm, I'm okay with getting people, seeing people get fired up and stuff like that. And uh, it sells. I tell you, it really sells. You know, and. Uh, uh, I'm okay with that kind of stuff in the right um, form of it, I guess. Yeah, I, I think uh, b- back to like you know Evan or, or the the the, um, the paper dispenser or whatever. At the end of the day, all these people that are coming into our center, we consider them friends. We consider them family, um, but we would never go into their house. We would never go into where they live and smash their TV or, you know, put a hole in a wall or something like that. Because if you go into one of your friend's house and you walk over, you get angry because you lost a game of Monopoly and you put, you know, punch a hole through a wall, well, you're never getting invited back. So I think I think people need to realize that this is a business. It's, it is somebody's home. They probably spend more time there than they actually spend at home, and it is someone's personal property, you know? Um, so, uh, that, and, uh, that was something that Evan was appreciative that we actually talked about on this was that it was somebody's stuff and he had never really looked at it that way. I, I think there's a kind of a, a, a perceived disconnect, uh, somewhere between there where, um, people don't always put that together. They walk into a bowling alley and they see it as a bowling alley, but they don't see it as somebody's, yeah. you know? So um, may- maybe that's that's part of it too. The the other thing that happens too is um, when a bowler potentially cracks a ball return or something, another bowler two lanes down uh, could be uh, in the middle of a backswing and hear this big bang and not 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 only are you damaging the equipment, you're pissing off uh, the other players. And I know, and it's probably my one pet peeve. I could be on lane one, and down on lane 20, I can hear the ball return get smacked, and I have to pull out of my approach because it just drives me up the wall. Um, but I love, with that said, 
I love emotion. I love guys getting pumped up. I love the fist pumps. I love the the yelling at a key shot. Um, I don't think you need to yell in the third frame of the fifth game uh, for a turkey, but uh, when you need a shot to <laughs> potentially win a match, um, yeah, getting a, getting a little vocal, uh, I'm okay with it. Yeah. That being said, I'm even okay with like the leg slapping and stuff like that. I'm okay with that too. You know, it, it, like right. we've talked before, it is a it's a very emotional sport, and sometimes you have to release in some way. But at least if you're gonna hit something, hit yourself because you're the one that threw it. You know, um, you're not gonna damage somebody's property that way. Um, that little bit of pain in your leg, I've heard lots of people say it. That little bit of pain is just kind of like adrenaline it, rush. Yeah, it kind of pulls that emotion out a little bit too, and um, yeah, I don't have a Mitch, problem with that. Mitch found out that the approach doesn't move, and it's not going to get hurt either, right? So, <laughs> no, the, the the emotion is what we all strive for, right? So we we get into these these big events, these big scenarios for that adrenaline rush. So the the maturity at some point will take over. And we'll take the, you know, you'd hope at least, you know, you know take some of those ball, ball return hits away and, you know, the, the complete F-bomb to the crowd. Like, like say, say it to the pins, right? Where, like, say, say it's somewhat under your breath. Everybody knows you're pissed off, right? There's, there's no point, you know, going over the edge because it's not going to help you. Like, I, I've, I've lived, I, I was an absolute prick until I was probably, you know, early 20s. Uh, especially out yeah. on the lane. I, I finally ended up quitting for about three quarters of a year. I literally looked myself in the mirror and said, you are not going to be like that anymore. And then I took three quarters of a year off, came back. I still get emotional. I, I still, you know, hit things on occasion. But you have to grow up. And because once you do, it will improve your game vastly. And it, it's just about life control. Right, and that—that's literally what experience does for you. That's what maturity does for you. So it will come along, uh, but it, it, everybody, all these kids see all of us, you know, adults, all of us professionals out on tour, getting too high emotioned, and then Agreed. it is become, it, it, then it becomes the norm. And of course, it, you know, if some of those guys are playing really well, win lots of money, well, they're they're going to emulate us. Right, yeah. that, that's where we, we really have to become the professionals, uh, especially on, on a tour setting. Right, on any tour, you're still going to have hotheads out there, and they're they're always going to get called out. Uh, there's always fines for those guys, also. Right, so we have to have some sort of way to either police ourselves or police ourselves, you know, through the organization itself. Um, but yeah, maturity will finally kick in. I just hope it happens sooner than later. Yeah, that that's something that could always be looked at too. Is if this tour is going to be a thing, and the WCBT actually does carry some weight in these tournaments, you could institute a fine system for. I wouldn't go as far as profanity because in every sport there's profanity, right? It, you go to a hockey game. If you're anywhere close to the ice, that's all you hear. If you get close to a football field, that's all you hear. Yeah, it's it's for the video aspect, the crowd, right? You don't want them, like Adam said, swearing into the crowd or something like that. But hitting stuff, right? <laughs> like that is a legitimate thing. Like you you hit something, you should be there should be a repercussion for it. That's not your equipment. 
It's not anything to do with you. You should pay for it. But that being said, it has to be a role model thing. Guys that are yep. still doing it, and we know there's lots of offenders out there that are still doing it, and they're they're veterans of the sport. And some of them say they're turning a new leaf, and but then they still do it. It's as a bowler, I've never hit anything. I tend to keep it within myself. It's definitely something that isn't that hard to do. Just need to rein in your emotions a little bit. Show show the emotion. That's fine. Just don't hit anything. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and that, I think that's the that's the point I wanted to get across to anybody that does hit stuff for the younger guys is we're watching. We see you. You look like an idiot. Stop. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just because you're I, I hitting something doesn't make you doesn't make you cool. Nobody cares that you just plowed on a triple in your match that nobody's watching, right? <laughs> like, and then they look to the crowd like, "Help me!" Like, I deserve to. I deserve to hit that ball return because I needed that shot. Well, no. I, I unless always, always... there was there was one situation at the TPC, I was okay with it because that was the shot. But when it happens on a consistent basis, with Michael, it's... yeah, I I always <laughs> I always laugh. I always laugh when I see uh, see somebody punch a head pin and look in awe like they got ripped off. Like you, you threw a brick, it it it's a it's a brick, and oh, I hit the side of the head pin. Obviously, you didn't because yeah. it yeah. didn't work out that well. For At you. the end of the day, a head pin is always your fault. Um, yeah. I think the uh, I think the idea of a WCBT WCBT fine eventually is honestly a great idea that just kind of like spurred out of a joke. But I think, uh, I think it's honestly a great idea. Um, it, uh, my thought on that would be to like collect the fines and maybe just store it, store the fines because, you know, all these proprietors are, I obviously I'm a biased, I'm biased because I am a proprietor, but all these proprietors are putting up their facilities to facilitate these tournaments and if we do have people that come out and destroy things. So it'd be nice if we had a body that would actually, like, if we do find them, then it just kind of sits in a bank account. And then, you know, if something major happens, a, a thing gets, or your, your paper towel dispenser gets destroyed off a wall or something like that, maybe the tour is a spot that has a contingency fund for, you know, situations like that where, you know, these guys have been the ones acting out that this guy, this guy destroyed a, a piece of property in your facility. Um, maybe that'd be a, a, a nice little touch. Really? Well, why not call those people out to fix what they just broke? That's the problem well, is you got to catch them in the act, right? Right. Uh, obviously. Yeah. Yes. But it, if we when do, you, when, when, you're out, them. when you're out there punching a ball or turning, you physically break something out there. Right, everybody sees you. Obviously, there's there's people who take that to the bathroom, and I'm sure there's more stuff that that gets hit than you guys will ever know, right? Um, yeah. But uh, either that, or you throw throw that to some you know charitable organization or something along yep. those lines, right? But um, yeah. at some point, there will need to be some secondary or, or third party that uh, that that goes around and, and kind of. You know, semi police is especially in these these events, right? But I, I think we're we're a few years away from from that aspect. But um, I, I like I the fact it, that we're talking about it at least. 
I think it starts with us, honestly. Just Agreed. the guys who are there week to week or tournament to tournament to just step up. And and if you see somebody do it, tell them, don't. Mm-hmm. Right? Just, I don't care that you're uh, so-and-so from blah, blah, blah. I don't care that you've got this many titles. Don't. Just stop it. You don't need to. So, anyways, that's good. That's that's perfect. That's what I wanted to talk about. This next one is Michael Wist from podcast number eight. Um, just going over the questions that we started asking all our guests: um, bowling mentors, favorite matches, toughest matches, and just the general topics. Toughest opponent or toughest match? Toughest match. Well. Toughest match, toughest match I'd say would be Sherwood this year, me and you, when we were throwing. That was, you know, I, it wasn't a win, but it was definitely still probably one of my toughest matches. Because last time, last time I believe it was like a 790-some double thrown against me, so I didn't even have a chance. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I, I definitely say... Oh. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, I'll go with I'll go with that. I'd say Adam Weber this year oh. again. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's your favorite event on tour, Mike? Um, it's a toss up between share like between TPC and Regina because they're they're the exact same formats, right? So. Anything in particular? Um, I like TPC because I get to travel farther <laughs> and go off <laughs> <up> the province. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I guess with, with TPC, I'll see more out-of-town, like out-of-province bowlers, where Saskatchewan, it's, you'll see, I'll see more bowlers that I usually see every week, right? So... Do, do you have a bowling mentor or, or someone that that really helped you along the way? Um, well, I thought okay, I thought more about more about the idol. And I guess you, you you could say Lloyd Weens. You know, like he he probably didn't start mentoring me until I was I think sixteen, seventeen. So there's him, and then actually um, Susan Delane. She she doesn't bowl anymore. She was actually a operator at the bowling alley when I was younger. So I started working at the bowling alley when I was thirteen, or no, sorry, fourteen. And pretty much every every shift after work, especially when we closed, I'd you know fire up lane seven and eight, sit in front of the office, and she would just while she's cashing out, she's coaching me. And like I, there's many late nights in the bowling alley with her helping me out so that's, so yeah that's that's pretty cool. yeah i yeah. got one more well one more okay. uh if there was anything in that you could do to improve the sport what would it be oh god um, well i think we're we're on <laughs> I, had to get, I had to get comfy <laughs> We're uh, with with like the the tour and what we're doing, we're definitely on track with that. My 
My biggest my biggest thing when I was a when I was a kid was I always wanted to bowl on TV, right? Like I always wanted to do TSN, and I always wanted to do what was it? CBC was that the other oh, one? Yeah, yeah. So like with uh, with what we're doing, especially with like the Tour Championship, like that was that was huge for me. Like I I absolutely loved it. May have not bowled as good as I liked, but I definitely like that's that's what I want, except on a bigger scale. Right. So pretty much exactly what we're doing is just as long as we can keep progressing with it. Yeah. yeah. Now, Mike, I don't know if any of our viewers out there are were aware of what, how, how the TV deal kind of worked. I sort of know. I have some background information on it or some knowledge. Uh, the CBC, I believe there was an avid bowler that was high up in the programming and, and in CBC television. And so he pushed forward the, the pins game on that one, where okay. he was able to to push that forward and take be part of the curriculum. Uh, TSN was actually paid by the proprietors, so each proprietor had to pay X amount of dollars part of their fees, um, and that would go into the prize pool and production costs. TSN never took any, uh, never had to pay for anything on that end. That was all oh. proprietors. So um, I. What what Carrie and, and the tour is doing, and that's exactly what we can do at the moment. But hopefully, if I always say if poker and darts are on TV, I always think there's an opportunity for us, at least in the Canadian market. So, um, you know, <laughs> I just say that I say the exact same thing always, especially yeah. darts. Especially darts. Oh. Yeah, I love it. It's so much fun to watch. I just like when they get excited. Yeah. As long as long as they're not farting, right? So (laughs) (laughs) farty. (laughs) So Mike, Mike, the question I have for you is: I've always thought about this uh, when opens comes around or masters come around, or even just when you're going to cash tournament now and you have bakers teams and stuff. But if you had to make up a team, or even if it's just one person. Who would, who would you want as your teammate at all times? Or wish it was your teammate? Wish I was my teammate. Or or you had a good teammate and you guys, you know, like ride and die together or, or you know, kind of thing like that. Which one would be on your team if you had to make up a, like a national team or a team that winning a lot of money? So you want like another bowler or like an actual like four bowlers like for a team? Well, whatever. You can pick your, you can pick your bowler that you think you would rather, you would always want to play with. And you guys kind of have that chemistry, or if you have a team that you would want, whatever, or either or. Okay. Well, I know, um, I know Scott Clawson especially because me and him have traveled. Like he, he's actually, if I go back to the mentor que- question, he's actually been probably my most recent mentor. So, so Scotty, yeah, he's definitely got to be there with me. And you know what? We still have never made an open team together yet. So, oh really? Oh, we're hoping this year is our <laughs> first year. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> Scotty would definitely be in there. I know. Um, I know Dex. I've always wanted to bowl on a team with him. That's for sure. Um, God, I don't can do say, like a. Don't I was, say I don't, Kevin I, Clark. Yeah. <laughs> what's that? Don't say Kevin Clark. You want to say Kevin Clark? No. No, I, I bowl on a team with Kevin. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, Danny Bear. 
Mm-hmm. You know, me and him have became such closer friends over the last three, four years here, but we've, you know, the year I make masters, he makes singles, and then the year he makes a team, I don't bowl masters. So that's sort mm-hmm. of how that that's kind of went the last little bit. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I could, I could make a team of 20, but I can't make a team of <laughs> Just okay, hand-picking hand bowlers. Like, uh, yeah. It's like, I, I have one final question for you on top of my head. Um, would you... Uh, would, would, would you have Harvey Post as your coach? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I would. <laughs> Tim, you, okay. guys, you got to explain it because that's an inside joke. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry, it's an inside joke. Uh, uh, I think it was, what, 2015 Masters, I think it was? I feel um, like I should explain this, not Tim. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. go for it. Yeah, so it was, uh, it was supper time or whatever, and Tim, Tim came up and he stole my utensils or whatever. And uh, I remember sitting there and I... I don't, was I sitting with you, Dex, at the time? Or I was saying something like, Tim's pissing me off? Or <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Dexter's like, you should get them back, you know? Go go get them back. So I go, <laughs> I go to uh, I go to Tim's table, and he's sitting with some Alberta guys, and Harvey was right beside you. Yeah. And I was going to steal his fork, and on on his fork on his plate was a piece of cheese, with ketchup on so i pulled like pulled the fork like i like you pull a tablecloth and the cheese just miraculously went in there and landed on harvey's head (laughs) ketchup down ketchup down yeah ketchup ketchup down and uh yeah i got i definitely got the death the death stare from him Yeah. So yeah, but you know, at at first he thought it was on purpose. Like he thought I actually like took the cheese and put it on his head. (laughs) And then I had to explain to him, no, I was just trying to steal steal my fork back from Tim, and (laughs) the cheese just ended up on your head. Not just (laughs) just like perfect flips in the end. Yeah, like like, right on top of his head. Harvey Give me a hundred times, I cannot do that again. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, and then he uh, he grabbed a napkin full of whipped cream and whipped cream my face. So while, while he was wearing your clothes, right? No, that was before my clothes. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that kind of leads into like a, a good question, or I think a fun question. Do you guys have a Do you guys have a favorite fluke moment in bowling? Like just some of the most random thing happened and it was either hilarious or surprising. So I, I, I'll start with me because there's one that always like makes me laugh and we, we talk about it every once in a while. But I remember having youth challenge practice. We were bowling at Bon and Dune. We were, it was uh, me and Kate, Katie was sitting next to me. We're bowling on lanes one and two and Tim's going up and just throwing balls. He just decided to go up and throw balls. And Katie at the time, used to wear a shoe cover on her shoe all the time when she wasn't in the pit. So the shoe cover is just sitting there next to me, and Tim goes up to throw a ball, and I pick up the shoe cover, 
and I kind of frisbee toss it up into the uh, onto the lane. And while Tim is bowling, this shoe cover goes flying over, lands on the approach. Tim puts his foot down, hits it, and it lands face first on the lane. And it was, it was absolutely perfect. And I'd never be able to do it again, but it was awesome. <laughs> I don't not I've never really had a fluke a fluke moment like that. That's for sure. I've had I've had, I've had funny moments. Like we've all had funny moments, but a fluke moment like that, mm-hmm. not that comes to my head. I remember winter game winter games here, and I think it, I I can't remember what frame it was, and I had a turkey, and then and this I used to throw a big uh, a big ten pin hook in five pin, and uh, I went through the pins the first time. And then my coach said something like, "Oh, I bet you twenty bucks you can't do that again." And then, sure as heck, next next frame after we reset the pins, went through the pins again, and I think I took five that frame. <laughs> <laughs> that Robbie Wolfson TPC, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard about that too. Yeah, that's crazy. I I think the funny moment that I have it's not really anything to do with any of us. It was uh. Uh, first open provincials I was super nervous at, right? And, you know, even though you play with these guys for a while, you grew up, I was fortunate enough to grow up a lot of them, super nervous. I think we're bowling on near the end at Chinook is 32 lanes, so probably say like 25, 26. Down over there, we're playing against Calgary. And uh, I remember right beside us, it was a mixed team from Central. Uh, and all of a sudden I see this ball, I see Blair Pizzi. Now, Blair's phenomenal over the years, right? And all I remember is Blair threw a ball, and he did this patented point, like point out, saying it was going to be a bomb, and it was outside right deuce. <laughs> and he thought, and he thought it was a bomb. And then instantly, not, no, nothing against Blair, but I instantly felt a little bit better about my open already, right? You know, a little bit. Okay, these guys are allowed to have bad balls and all that kind of stuff. It was, I remember that one for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I can't recall <laughs> anything like that. I don't. Uh. Yeah, I, I, I remember Regina when when Gino fell on the lane and we we taped him we his taped corpse on the lane, him. <laughs> outlined him on the lane yeah. in the finals yeah. against Brad. Yeah, yeah. I still think my favorite ball is Len Adseff though. Oh, <laughs> at Regina, he just soaked got, it in and he fell, just laid there. Oh, <laughs> got, got shot by a sniper. <laughs> didn't, didn't Cam Boone fall at the same tournament? Yeah, same same lane. tournament. Yeah. Same lanes too. Yeah. yeah, his fall his fall looked a lot worse, but he got up a lot faster than one did. <laughs> uh, the, the one fluke moment that that really went against me was at the Heritage Final against uh, Kevin Holsworth last year, and uh, literally ball for the match, last ball of the, of the match for a title. Uh, I think I needed a chop off for a corner or something plus. And all of a sudden, some fly just starts making just a beeline right in front of me. And I'm just waiting for it to kind of go. And, you know, no, it turns around and just hovers there, forces me to step off. Uh, definitely was ready to go. Forced me to step off, got up there and just missed outside to lose the championship. I've had yeah. issues. I've seen flies and spiders at. Heritage before I remember standing on the lane and then getting ready to throw during during practice, but a spider just you know 
slowly <laughs> comes down from the sort score screen, just stops like right at eye level with me. <laughs> so I just grab a napkin, you know, get him out of there and keep practicing. But yeah, I don't know. Speaking why. of that, yeah, I, always, I, I, I had a national classified nationals in Toronto at Rexdale. First time I, we the men bowled on one to eight and the ladies bowled on the back eight. The first day we swapped sides. Only time I've ever been part of a bowling alley where the ladies side the next day had ant delays. So they had a straw vac out and there was an ant infestation underneath oh. the one to eight, and they were vacuuming them out after every second ball. They're vacuuming all these ants out and they're wiping the approaches. So yeah. the men fin- the men finished like two hours before the ladies did, and we were in the bar having a good time while these ladies are still finishing up like the last three games. But shot back, right on like right on the capping, just had to turn it on. Yeah, had to I, remember, the ants. I remember you telling me about that. Yeah, yeah insane. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's one tournament I wish they kind of didn't get rid of. For, I loved it. That, for that is moment. a conversation for another day, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's a lot behind that. That was my first nationals I ever went to. I went to the national classified, and then I had a week off, and then I had my first masters nationals in Calgary. Mm-hmm. Uh, the year of the flood. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 2013. This next one is from podcast number nine with Brett Hendrickson from Winnipeg. Um, regarding pet peeves and uh, what is tipping five bin bowlers to the edge. So, Brett, you brought up uh, a bit of a topic uh, pet peeves, right? And uh, I had a situation on Sunday where. <laughs> Uh, my my teammate uh, uh, Chance, I, I don't know, I'm not sure why it struck a chord, but he, I think I plowed or I got aces. The very first ball of the uh, of the night, and uh, it was aces. He just, he, yeah, no, he just says, yeah, hey, it was a great time, great time for it, eh? Um, <laughs> just it just drove me up the freaking wall. So, what are some of the stupid things that bowlers say or do? that you guys have heard over the years or hear every single night. Uh, I, I, I heard Adam I, complain about that for two hours after that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, got the, you got the drifters, eh? Like, you'll have a guy chuck a, a, a 308, um, and they were done first. So now he's kind of lurking around the other lanes, seeing who the high games are. And, you know, you're about to grab your ball to throw. You're on, like, a double going into, going into eight or nine. You know, you're having one of those games where you can, you finish strong, you can get like a 320. And they're like, oh man, if he uh, throws one here, I'd be uh, I'll be in a little bit of trouble. Uh, it's just like, okay, Captain Obvious, like go back to lane one, like get out of here. You know, or or the people, even if you're on the same team, and they're like, oh man, don't bowl a 280, you'll beat my high quad. It's like, well, don't you want that? Like team success, you know, teamwork makes the dream work. Like let's go, be happy for me, you jackass. We're on the same team. Uh, the the one I never really understood and is the high fives or the you're playing against an opponent and you're always giving them high fives. You come off the lane, you might you know you might rip a three pin, you know pick a five count on the second ball, you give a high five with an eight count. Like yeah. I never understood that. And that that was the one thing I remember profusely with uh, Freddie Toffemeyer when he came out hey. from Nova Scotia. <laughs> Freddie hated it, and I made sure I gave him a high five every time I had the opportunity to, right? Track um, him and down. He's like, yeah, he's like, why, why are you giving me a high five? I mean, I'm playing against you. He's like, oh, it's, you know, it's camaraderie. It's teammates. You know, he's like, 
no, go away. Like, I, I'm not dealing with this. Oh, like, man. I'm, I'm, right? And it, I, you know, it becomes a habit, doesn't it, though? I mean, we're just, you, well, you're always putting your hand out for the people. I'm like, do I really need to give a high five for everything? Well, right? it, we're all yeah. trained to do it now. Whereas Freddie was from the Canopin side of it, and the Canopin side of it was super cutthroat. Like, if you thought that five pin was cutthroat in the past, apparently they are just ruthless in Canopin where they'll be standing behind your lanes and screaming at you, derogatory things, yeah. just to try to do whatever they can to throw you off. So he came from the Canopin side of that, and, uh, yeah, I, so he wasn't trained to be as cordial as we are. <laughs> the, 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 other one I thought, the other one I thought of, too, and Adam can love this one, too, is how many bowlers you watch during league player tournament play when they actually have a foul, they don't think they got a foul. It's like, oh, oh man. No. Oh my God! I didn't get a foul. Like, well, come on, the lanes are like this. Well, how many times you say, you know, you threw it over the, you you walked over like, no, I didn't, no, I didn't, and there's a big fight over that, and people are embarrassed about it, right? You know. Yeah, yeah there's uh, no foul all night, and he's the only one that got one. It's like, yeah, yeah you got it, sir. <laughs> I was like a foot back. <laughs> yeah, 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 but it's happened to you seven times today, Ozzy. <laughs> hey, hey you, you get to pass the first one. But after that, no, zero chance. Yeah. I don't know like, yeah. how many. I don't know how many games he's lost because of it <laughs> this season. See, he he's got to be about twelve or thirteen easily. Do you know, do you know the the best part about all of this is that his team for NFL for a football league is Brett the Buffalo Bills, and it just signifies what he's got going on here. <laughs> oh yeah, how is that going? Are you guys getting to your championships yet? No, no, we still got another half a season. <laughs> what's uh, what's the, who's winning the AFC East? Uh, not Adam actually. It's right now. It's uh, Dexter. Which team though? Oh, he's, oh he's the Dolphins. 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 <laughs> Dolphins. Gosh. The Cle- uh, and the Cleveland like Browns in team. my division is winning. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, that's crazy. You know what? And that pains me to hear you say that, Tim, because I'm number one. High five everybody after a frame. I don't care if I like that 170 I bowled in the last game uh, in Calgary. I knew that Bobby had a shot. I knew that Kerry had a shot. I knew that Marco had a shot. So I, even though I'm competing against them, I I knew that I didn't want to be that black hole, right? Because I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's just like the whole thing where we have the, there's the four of us, uh, or I guess the six of us, right? Because we moved as pairs at, at, at the autumn or five, three and two. Five. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And it's just like, you know what, man, what if all five of us make it? Like, let's go, let's do this. Right. And I think four out of five did make it. There might've been three out of five. It should have been four out of five, but, <laughs> uh, but you know what? I didn't want to be the black hole in the pit. Right. So it was like, Hey, come on guys. Like, uh, one of the things for me, and it's funny if any of my friends listen to this, which I hope they do, and I'll make sure that I share it on my Facebook, but I'm not a double high fiber. Like I'm a one hand guy. Yeah, as soon as people put up the two hands, I'm like, oh, okay. Guess I got to bring up the left too. Like I, I don't want to do it. But the first time I made a scratch team, and I made it in 2015, I was on a team with Trevor Cook, Randy Morissette, Jeff Bourne, uh, Justin Keen, I think Jeff Caron, and they were all big. Like, let's hurt each other's hands, guys. You better catch me coming off the lane, big guy. And I'm like, okay, dudes. Like, <laughs> they're like, your hands are gonna be screaming after this weekend. It's like, well, don't cut me or anything. Like, I still got a bull. <laughs> but uh yeah I, I i never experienced like bowling teaching at nationals sure we get fired up but it was nothing crazy because nobody was chucking 390 games you know a guy on my team would bowl at 280 that was huge it was like 100 over for him 
Um, but then, you know, you go to the Scratch Nationals and you got over at the end, Mitch roundhouse a table right in the middle of one of the games. <laughs> um, and people are just getting fired up. And I'm just like, whoa, like, is this what it's like at the top level? Like, people just going nuts? Like, what the heck's going on? And then Eric Jose is screaming at the top of his lungs. And I'm like, did one of the ladies just throw a six-pack? I'm like, no, that was the guy from Alberta. Holy crap. Like, it was it was awesome. I was so, oh, man, it was so much fun bowling in the Nationals. Like, you know, and, and, and Gino getting fired up, right? Like, I'd, I'd, I'd watched him on, on TSN, but I'd, I'd never seen him in person. And just, you know, he's he was like the old veteran on the team, and he's getting fired up. And it was like, man, top-level bowling, like, this is pretty cool. Like, I want to be here a bunch because, um, like, I, I think this is the right atmosphere for me. I think I can fit in here. Um, so yeah, just, yeah, it was cool. It was cool. But yeah, when he punched that table, it's like, is he going to foul or anything? It's like, oh no, they'll just tell him to calm down and won't do anything. <laughs> it was like, all right. <laughs> I, oh, I oh. love the double high fives. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It, in, in, I mean, in the team event, a singles event, it, it, whatever, but in the team event, man, uh, there's just nothing better than coming off the lane and, or, or being on the other end of it where somebody's coming off the lane super hard. I love it. I love it. How do you love playing with me, Adam? Your hands. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Got one. Uh, I've been so good since week one. Uh, um, yeah. You need a different watch band, though. So I, every I single time you do the I double know. hand or your watch falls off. Yeah. Like, well, <laughs> it just whips around. <laughs> it's all good. Like, you know, it's, you know what's going to happen again this year. So, yeah. like, I don't care. Fi- fix it. Nope. <laughs> See, I, I, I'm a huge believer in sportsmanship and uh, like the, one of the simplest things that any bowler can do in that fashion is, you know, have your hand out, good or bad, right? Mm-hmm. It, to, to me, it's a karma thing. Um, yeah. and, and, uh, but what really pisses me off is you got yourself like an open, ha- open hand to come back and somebody comes back and just hammer fists down. Oh. Right, you you can get like a four bag or something. They still come back and just hammer fist. I'm like, I'm trying to help you out a little bit, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I really don't care about what your game is right now. I'm just trying to be, you know, sportsman. Um, so that that really pisses me off. But another one that uh, you know I hear all the time from Mitch Davies <laughs> is spares win championships, and that one bugs me a lot. Uh, actually, Adam. He actually texted me beforehand. The second best bowler in Canada texted me before this. And he said his quote was, strikes win tournaments, spares keep you in it, and Penny never did a damn thing. That's what he – I wrote it down, actually. So, so, so Mitch is lying here somewhere here. <laughs> no, Mitch has never said spares win championships. But I, I, know, it pisses, I, I, know, I know it really bugs him. So it, it just just like me, hey, no strikes strikes win championships. Spares do keep you in the mix. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when you said the second best bowler, I thought you were going back to Jeff Young there, Tim. <laughs> Crickets. Yep. <laughs> how, how, how about don't waste all your strikes in practice? Oh man, uh, same guys all the time. That's another one too. I hate that one. I punch one and two and then i throw a strike in three and they're like oh same guys all the time and it's like oh my goodness you know I, what man we, we talked about this before i hate it can't stand it yeah we we had uh we have people who come in and constantly tell us 
your lanes are tilted. Oh. I was like, are you are you serious? No, your your lanes are crooked. I'm like, well, if you understand like how the certification process goes and how flat those lanes have to be, you oh my god, go away, go away. We, we, we had, had one a, kid during we had a, a one star program. <laughs> yeah, this was, uh, yeah, this was probably years ago, but he's bowling on. It was, I remember clearly it was lane nine, and he's pre bowling, and his ball is going. Into the left gutter. And starting on the right side, going to the left gutter. He's putting his hand all the way over top. Huge hook. Right side, left gutter. Right side, left gutter. Your lanes are crooked. Like, no, they're not. He's like, I don't know what you guys did, but your lane is tilted. Like, no, it's not. You're making a massive hook ball. No, I'm not. I'm throwing the ball straight, and it is tilted. I'm like, okay, fine, I'll move you. (laughs) So so I moved him over, like, two lanes. Left gutter. Left gutter. Shut up, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so, so the lanes have to be dead straight, but what about approaches? Oh, right. right. Regina, don't. <clears> lane <throat> one. Regina to get away with lane one. Oh. <laughs> it's it, it been in my head since since Rick threw the ball down on the lanes. Like, look, it's all messed up. I'm like, well, what, what is? What's up? I've never I'm heard this. Lane, lane okay. one, it, the approach tilts to the wall. So you can put a bowling ball beside the ball rack, and it'll slam against the wall. I guess I never noticed because I had too many beers. <laughs> I was actually out to the left. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you come in from from the right a little bit more, right? So yeah. I know for for myself, all of a sudden it's like you're going downhill on your slide. So it actually takes you away from your angle huh. when you're actually trying to get there. At least I I, I feel it, and I, I you almost feel drunk on that lean. It's on. But but like the the lane plays straight. Right, the lane bed itself, but yeah, that that approach is it's crazy to me. <laughs> it is, yeah. Huh. The the one saying that really bugs me it's I find around a lot of older bowlers. Uh, every time you're up a three pin, they always like, "Oh, good bowlers and women can spare it." They, it absolutely drives me bonkers to hear that. Yeah, or you punch on a turkey, and they're like, "Well, at least you hit the middle." Okay. <laughs> oh, thanks, oh. boss. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, had that, I had that one on my list. What about everybody who rants about lane conditions? Oh, well. They're from Manitoba. Hey, Carrie. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. Or or those who who might change, you know, six different balls in the same game because it's always the ball's fault. I'll, I'll take that over the lane's fault any day. Yeah, the the ball changers. I I never used to do that. I used to just stick with one pair the whole time. Uh, but then you know I saw bowlers who I considered better than myself doing it. So I was like, oh, maybe I'll give it a shot. And yeah, I guess it's like number four adjustment I make now. But yeah, the people that carry the big suitcase, or if they bowl at that center, they'll walk over to the locker and start grabbing balls out of the locker. I've won a championship playing with two different bowling balls: one on odd lane, one on the right lane. Yeah, there was a story in one of those blogs where the, the guy was talking about he bowled a perfect game, different ball in each lane. Wasn't it, wasn't it Bruce? Bruce used to switch after six strikes, wasn't it? Yeah, but it was the same ball. It was just he had one that was like almost solid blue and one that was almost solid white with a little bit of blue. So, um, yeah, he would just switch back and forth after six. Yeah, yeah it was six or four, something like that, yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, oh, did you guys put fresh gum under the two pins? <laughs> no. Yeah, got them nailed down. Oh my god. Or you make that look easy. Yeah, it's only oh, been yeah. 20 years of bowling. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How about all the social media posts for people averaging 260? Crickets. What, like the people bragging about bowling thousands in their league? Or is that what you're talking about? Hey, yeah, our Saturday part. league, we only, had, we only had three people bowl over 1,000 last weekend. That's huge for us. For four. Oh, for four. Yeah. yeah, that was huge. In, in all fairness, there was three posts about 1,000 last week, and Kerry was the only one who didn't make his own post. So... <laughs> yeah, I'll never post anything about scores. You should yeah, have put that on the WCBT page. <laughs> what was that? You should have put yours on the WCBT <laughs> page. I should have. Congratulations <laughs> to Carrie Price. Yeah, Congrats, we don't have Chris. anybody posting our high sets around here. That would be nice. Like if we had uh, the Winnipeg five pin every time somebody threw a 400, or which I don't know if there's been a 400 yet this year, but. Uh, yeah, although the Edmonton five-pin page, I get a post like every second day about somebody <laughs> chucking a 400 at Bonnie Dune. Well, I, I think we And Sherwood, and Sherwood. There, there might be more at Sherwood this year than Bonnie Dune. I think, I think there is, actually. Well, in all fairness, though, we had TPC, and how many 400s do we have at TPC? 10? Adam had Eight, like 12, four of 12, them in the 12, 12 400s at TPC this year. <laughs> Unreal. So, I mean, that's a bit yeah. of a benefit. <laughs> like, that kind of skews the numbers a little. They weren't all posted, though. No, you're right. They weren't. And this last topic is with Bobby Kite from podcast number 10, um, just discussing the etiquette differences between candle pin bowling and five pin bowling. And that's another thing, too, with uh, when it comes to, I guess, the etiquette side of it, where in five pin, you know, if you get up on lane, uh, you know, say you're bowling on lane six, then whoever's on lane, you know, either lane on either side of you, um, you know, they stay back, they're at a, you know, like not even stepping onto the lane. In Candlepin, there's still etiquette, but you don't come off of the lane. Like Candlepin, you just kind of stay beside, you're not running past somebody, you're not running past a bowler on either side of you. But as you're bowling, you're kind of aware there's somebody right to the left of me, there's somebody to the right to me, and you just still get ready to throw your shot, knowing that they're not like just, that was odd to me when I started bowling five pin. That I would get on the lane ready to throw my shot, and there's nobody beside me, either side. That was odd to me. But for you guys, that's the norm, and that's kind of what you've always been. Mm. But for, that's why that's why it never bothers me if somebody like runs down three lanes over, or if there's something happening. It just doesn't bother me because I'm just kind of used to distractions, I guess, on either side. You know, things I can just kind of appear to ignore because in Candlepin, those things happen. Not that you want them to happen, but they just they're they're not it's not uncommon so i heard etiquette and candle pin is i've heard of people like standing at the back of approaches yelling at people up on the lanes like trying to do whatever they can to distract and i just said i could not imagine that happening in the five pin world i think in the five pin world someone would get knocked out like literally <laughs> like, like honestly well, but i, I uh, hear it happens all the time in candle pin t- well it, it it used to it used to it doesn't really happen anymore but uh, when I started bowling the men's tournaments, I uh, guess I would, it, was, it would have been like late 90s, mid to late 90s when I started bowling the men's tournaments. 
uh, that was new to me too, because in youth bowling, I, it was just, you know, you didn't have that. You just cheer on your team and you, you know, you didn't, you didn't go after the other team. You, you know, you just, it was just, it was all like, everything's positive. Everything's positive. So we're in top. But then I joined the men's leagues and yeah, there's chirping, there's yelling, there's, there's people, there's people, they would literally drop a ball as your backswing, you, you know, in, in the middle of the back purposely. And, and it wasn't like, there's, there's nothing you would do about it. It just, it was like, okay, I have to be aware that that's something that can happen. You know, that was just part of the game. Guys and I'm not in the background, the, defense, defense. Yeah. <laughs> I remember one guy in particular and he turned into be one of, he was a great friend of mine in years later. And he, it was only at a... It might sound not sound this way, but it was only out of like uh, he was a good friend of my dad's, and so me being like this, you know, you know, okay, that's Bill's son. He's coming up. He's now he's now you know I'm a, I'm a teenager bowling in the men's tournaments, and so he would rip on me at every single chance he could get. But when I first started in the men's tournaments, I didn't I didn't really know him that well. I couldn't stand the guy because he was always at me and chirping and chirping and chirping and chirping. And over time, I got to realize like. He's a really good dude. He's just doing that out of fun. And it was like, it was still a serious tournament. It was still serious tournaments. He was still, but it, you know, like he didn't mean any harm by it, but that was just the culture of it. And there's way less of it now, but I, from what I'm told back in the eighties or even earlier than that, yeah, there were literally fist fights at the bowling alley for that sort of thing. Because I feel like maybe five and went through the same sort of transition. I don't think we were ever at that point, but I, I'm not old enough to really, no, maybe maybe animal can weigh in a little bit better. <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> but but, <laughs> but I, I heard it was pretty cutthroat back in the day too, and then we've gone through a bit of a transition where we, we're just we're just not the same way anymore, which I think is good. It's a friendlier game, right? Do you think that was happening on the lanes in Five Pin back then, though? I I don't know. I've heard I've heard some like occasional stories, but I don't. I don't think it happened on the same regular basis that it sounds like it was happening in Canopin. Yeah, and I guess probably not as blatant or whatever. There was definitely gamesmanship going on, quite a bit of it, but not... Yeah, you wouldn't drop a bowling ball in the guy's backswing, or yeah, intentionally, you, anyways. You would get knocked out. <laughs> yeah. for, See, those things definitely sure. happen, but it was one of those, if any, you know, if it, you know, you take a look and then they'd be like, oh, it just slipped. Oh, it fell out of my hand. Or you get the odd time. Because like I say, you you know, there's bowlers on either side of you at any given point. And you have to recognize who is on either side of you. Because if you look to your right, and it's one of those guys who you know is going to be one of those a-holes to do that sort of thing, then you just have to be aware of that. You have to be conscious of the fact that, okay, that's so-and-so over here. Maybe I'll just back off a little bit and give it a take. Take another second. But if I look on the other side or or, 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 or say it's somebody else who you know is not going to do that 100% every single time, then, you know, you just – it's more of a mind game. I, I find that was way more of a mind game. Think about candle pin to five pin. is way more mind games. There's way more thinking when it comes to candle pin because for, – for two reasons. That's one of them, which isn't the major one. But number two is the fact that in five pin – I have never once picked up a five-pin ball, whether it's my first, second, third ball, any point of any game, and not just grab my spot, looked at the pins, and realized that's what I'm throwing at. And been 100% sure that's what I'm aiming at, this is my target, and I'm ready to go. Never once in five-pin, you, you, 
essentially aim for the pin closest to you every time. Right. Am I right or am I wrong? You no, know, every no, single exactly, time. Yeah. You can't open it doesn't work that way because of deadwood. Because angles on the pins that are already felled. Okay, this pin's closer to me, but this is angled this way. So if that angled that way is if I hit it in a certain spot, that'll take care of the close one to me, but then the other stuff will I don't know, maybe I don't explain it well, but no, it's, it's it makes sense where, where it's not necessary. And most times, now most times you are aiming for the thing that's the object closest to you, but not necessarily every time. And there's lots of options where, okay, I could play this shot way over here on the right side of the lane. But if I played it way over here on the left, maybe that gives me a better chance to make this shot, make this spare. Or, and it's obviously it's only for spare shots or, or for your third ball. But um, there's way more strategy. There's way more wood play. There's way more asking your teammates. That's another thing. There's people that you know that are really good at reading wood, dead right. wood, that know, okay, I, and you just trust their, you know, because they've been around the game for so long. And other people that think they know, but they actually don't know, uh, <laughs> it's a little different. So you have to kind of like, okay, I'll listen to your opinion, but I really, I'm really not going to put a whole lot of value into it. That'd be really interesting to have it like as a coach too, because that's almost like, it's almost like having a caddy in golf. Yeah, you know, it's your it's your it's your caddy reading the green, being like, ah, oh, you should yep. you should hit here or whatever. That's really cool. The That's only thing really is, we don't have coaches. There's no coaches. There's no coach. I mean, there's co- I mean, you 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 talk amongst your teammates, but there's no co- there's a t- there's a there's a, a team captain, but uh, on a, on a team, say you have a team uh, like a, a team of uh, say five play at a time. You know, same idea as five pin. And then you have the bench guys, but you can have five. You can have you can have multiple bench guys. It's not, it's not how you know everybody has six. Uh, well, I guess Masters is only five in teams, all right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so in the open, I've never I've never played Masters, but in the open, I know the six is one bench guy. So uh, one one bench person and then and then a coach. But in Candlepin, you can have a roster up to I think ten people per team. Only five play a game, play play at a time. And the captain, and that's just the person who uh, they write the lineup. They, you know, they if there's any grievances, they go to the captain's meeting. That kind of, you know, all that so, kind of sort of thing. But they're a player as well, right? They're also they can. Oh, well, they can be, and they they're not necessarily. But okay. if they are, if they are in the pit. If you're, if you are in the pit, in the bowling area, your name has to be on the roster. But you don't necessarily have to throw a ball at any point right. through it any turn. But you just have to. Every team. Ha- assigns one person to run the team essentially. Uh, West here, uh, like we, we've had, you know, the opportunity to see yourself and Freddie, you know, from the candle pin world come out uh, to the five pin world and, and definitely had some some great success. Uh, how do you see five pin bowlers going and, and attempting, you know, a candle pin career? Uh, how would that transition be? I think it'd be a similar transition. I I only really know people coming in this direction towards five pin because I mean, how many people live in any other part of the country move to New Brunswick, Nova Scotia? Very few. <laughs> you know, this is not what happens. Uh, so, but I but I don't. I think it would be. It's definitely an adjustment. I I definitely had an adjustment coming to five pin. There's lots of things I personally had to change my game and and right off the bat when I first started I I, uh, I thought it was an easy transition and it wasn't a difficult one don't get me wrong but 
uh, I, right off the bat, I was like, oh, okay, this is like, uh, you know, no big deal. I'll pick it up and I'll, here we go. But it, but the more I played, the, the more I realized that I have to slow myself down. I have to adjust my grip, my speed, my, my tempo, my rhythm, all those sorts of things. Working the other way, I to go into Canopin from 5-Pin, I think it would be the exact same thing, but it would be different adjustments. I think it would be a major adjustment to to bowl next to somebody, like who people that are on the lane right beside you, and you just have to assume they're not going to wave their hand in front of you or drop the ball in your approach or, or, or you know, bang the ball rack because... There's a whole lot of that. As much as you guys think there isn't five pin, there's <laughs> way more in candle pin about banging ball racks, punching walls, and throwing garbages, garbage box, garbage bins, and like seriously, throwing garbages. Garbage that's bins. gonna, that's gonna be my no, new uh, go-to move. <laughs> like, it's it's uh, yeah, it's I I don't know. I've, I I feel like I've just, oh, God balls, bowling balls thrown through the wall through masking units. We should uh, we should get Mike Herbert into one of these tournaments. In a cattle pit tournament? Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> was, you know what? I think he'd do I think he would do okay in the sense of like his temp because he's such a just, you know, like grab the ball and go sort yeah. of guy. I feel like Mike Herbert and you know, from what I see, I feel like he would go even quicker if he could. It's just that he has to wait for the person on either side of him. Right? Yeah. yeah. No, so in exactly. a cattle pit world, he would just grab the ball and go every time anyway. And I think that would his alley. I think it'd be perfect for him. Yeah. I think he'd do Len, great. Lenny, Lenny too, eh? Yeah. That, too, that'd yeah. be fun. So I'd be like, who, who are these guys? We're like bowling great, and we've never seen them before, and they don't care about anything we're doing right now. <laughs> 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 that'd be great. That'd be so good. All right, that wraps up the Five Pin Universe podcast number twelve. Um, we hope you enjoy this little extras that we've had available to our patrons. Um, if you want to get the next extra topics from our future podcasts please be a patron and you can find that patreon.com slash five pin universe thanks guys and we'll talk to you next week